If you like what you hear on this episode, you're going to want to come check out my new podcast called the Unfuck Your Brain Podcast. What you're listening to right now, The Lawyer's Stress Solution, has ceased production of new episodes. But Unfuck Your Brain is rocking and rolling. Every week, I release a new episode of the Unfuck Your Brain podcast, teaching you the same great tools for taming your brain, but with even more applications to other areas of your life. You can search for it by name. Remember, there's an asterisk instead of the U in unfuck because we like to be polite. Or just click the link to it in the podcast description for this show. I'll see you over there. You're listening to The Lawyer Stress Solution, the only podcast that teaches you cognitive science-based techniques specifically created for lawyers. Learn how to manage your lawyer brain and conquer the stress, anxiety, and overwhelm of lawyer life. Here's your host, former lawyer and certified master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my lawyer friends. It's Sunday morning, which is about the only quiet time in Manhattan, although you can probably hear the birds outside chirping. They're very excited this morning. It's been a crazy week for me, but it's also been so fun to be hearing from people who are listening to the podcast. I've had um, old friends from law school get in touch who are listening to it. I heard from one of you listeners that you and your boyfriend both listened to the podcast, especially hopefully last week's, about dealing with conversations like cross-examination. That's the kind of thing that helps a relationship <laughs> to know when you're doing that and how to stop. So that is awesome. And it just is so great to hear from some of you individually and kind of know who you are and what your lives are and who's listening to this. And it helps when I'm talking into this microphone in my apartment in the city to know who's listening. So today I want to talk about difficult clients. We've talked about difficult partners or supervisors or bosses, but difficult clients are also a big issue, particularly as you get a little bit farther into your career and you start to have direct contact with the clients. And it's so important to be able to figure out how to deal with the stress of difficult clients because if you want to stay in your legal career, right, the further you go, the higher you rise, the more client interaction you're going to have. And the truth is, this isn't just in corporate settings, right? Or even in big firm litigation. You know, when I was working as a social impact litigator, as a social justice lawyer, we had clients too. We had people we represented, right? It wasn't quite the same situation. It wasn't like anybody could hire us. We would figure out who we were going to work with to challenge certain laws. But we still had to deal with clients. And particularly when you are dealing with social justice work, Right. I was a reproductive rights attorney. And so the kind of clients we had were people who were really strong willed and believed in what they were doing really deeply and had been doing difficult work against a lot of opposition for a long time. And they had some strong opinions <laughs> about how they wanted to behave and what they wanted to say, right? And what they wanted to do and how they wanted their lawyers to act. So. Doing kind of nonprofit or social justice law or even working in the government, right, is no guarantee that you aren't going to have to deal with difficult clients. There are lots of ways that clients can be difficult or get upset, right? And I can't possibly list them all because the beauty of the human mind is that it always comes up with weird new things to be upset about. <laughs> we all know that from our own lawyer minds. But I would say there's some big categories that I see with my clients where difficult clients of theirs are really stressing them out. None of my clients are difficult. I love all of you. 
So with my clients' clients, the kind of broad categories I see are clients who aren't happy with the work product, whether they really know that much about law or not, right? Either sometimes they may know a lot about the area, and sometimes they just had some idea of how they wanted it to be, and it's not that way. Then their clients are not happy with the pace, right? Certainly, especially in big firm environments, what I hear from my clients a lot is that their clients, right, are paying a lot of money for these services. And the way that the law firm kind of industry is structured, often clients really expect very quick turnaround, right? So their attitude is we're paying you a lot of money to do this and we want it done quickly. Then there are the clients who want to do things that are just not legally permissible, (laughs) right? They want your opinion on something. And then when you tell them that they definitely shouldn't do that thing, they're not very happy with that answer. And then there's clients who want impossible deals or outcomes, right? They want you to somehow create a deal or negotiation where they get everything they want and they don't have to give anything up, right? Which is not how negotiation works. So kind of unrealistic expectations about what you can produce when it comes to negotiating outcomes or figuring out contracts. And then the last thing that I would say comes up a lot with my clients is the stress created by last minute demands or surprises, right? So being an hour from the filing deadline and still waiting for the client to get you what the information you need, something like that. Or you think you're all ready for filing, then all of a sudden the client has some new idea or doesn't like the way you did this or so-and-so didn't sign off on it when you thought he did, right? All those kinds of last minute surprises. So those are all the things that we think stress us out. Now, since you've been listening to the podcast, you won't be surprised to hear those are not really the problem. The problem is the thoughts you're having. And in your thoughts, there are two main forms, two types of thoughts that stress you out about your clients and that make your clients feel difficult for you. So there's really two categories. So one is thoughts about the client and how they should be different. And the second one is thoughts about yourself and what will happen to you if the client is unhappy. So the first one is really thoughts, again, about the client and how they should be different, right? Resisting the way that the client is, wishing they would act or behave or talk differently. And then the second one is really more a version of catastrophizing, which we've talked about before, which is worrying about all the things that might happen to you if the client is unhappy. So I'm going to talk about each of those in turn. So when it comes to the client and the thoughts about how they should be different, right, that's category one of the kind of thoughts that cause stress about difficult clients. The truth is, whenever we are feeling stress about another person, it's because we are resisting the way that they are. So you'll know if you're in this category, if you are feeling more anger or frustration. Anger or frustration about another person's behavior tends to be a signal that the kind of thought you're having that's a problem is a thought about how they should change their behavior. They shouldn't be the way they are, right? And you might use a lot of different words for that. You might think to yourself, it's unprofessional that they wait till the last minute, or it's unreasonable that they think I should be able to get them everything they want without giving anything up, or it's totally crazy that they want my permission to do something that clearly seems to be unlawful, (laughs) right? So it's all these thoughts about how the client should behave and that they're not behaving that way. Now, I love to teach this tool for any kind of interpersonal conflict, but it's really great for difficult clients. It's called the manual. And so the idea is that we all have these unwritten manuals for how other people should behave. This is true for anyone in your life. 
right? Your mom shouldn't ask you what you're doing with your life. And if you're dating anyone new, (laughs) right? The partner on your case shouldn't send you emails at 3am. We talked about the manual a little bit when we talked about difficult partners and supervisors. And the same is true for the client. You have a manual about how the client should behave, right? And probably your manual is something like the client should always do what I tell them. The client should acknowledge and appreciate my work. The client should understand realistic and reasonable expectations. The client should believe what I tell them about the law, right? The client should never call me at the last minute. The client should always be polite and respectful. You have a whole list of unconscious beliefs about how your clients should act. And some of them might be client-specific, and some of them might be sort of unwritten, unconscious assumptions you have about how everyone should act. But whenever you are feeling angry or frustrated at a client, it's because you're having a thought about how they should behave. Now, here's the thing. We could all take a vote and agree that they should behave differently, (laughs) right? I could set up a poll. But the truth is, they're not. They're going to behave the way they're behaving. And how do you know that? Because they are already behaving that way. Right? It doesn't matter if we show them a poll about how everyone else thinks they should behave. They don't care. They're behaving the way they're behaving. They have their own manual, right? Their manual is like, my lawyer should do what I tell them. My lawyer should get me a great deal. When I pay a lot of money, I should be able to do things at the last minute, right? Who knows what their manual is? But they're acting out of their manual and you are angry because they're not following your manual, right? But we can't change the client, just like with anyone else. And with clients especially, right, there are certain relationships in your life where it does sometimes make sense to at least ask if someone will behave differently, right? We never put our emotional happiness on their behavior, but in some situations, like a romantic relationship or a friendship or a partnership in a business, right, you might want to ask if someone could behave differently. Why not? Give it a try. With your clients, that's usually not really appropriate or productive, right? Or it just may not be strategically useful. So wouldn't it be better if you could just stop feeling angry and frustrated and let your client act however your client wants, right? Because you can't control them anyway. And all that is stressing you out is your belief that they shouldn't be this way. So one of the things that I really like to do with my clients when they're dealing with a difficult work situation is I like to ask them, if you had been told ahead of time that this dude or this woman, this person was going to be part of your job, this difficult client came with the job right? If the job description was like, you're going to do really interesting work, you're going to get paid really, really well, you're going to work with great people, but this client is just always going to be a pain in your ass, would you have taken the job? And the answer is almost always yes, right? The difference there is that you would have had the expectation that the client was going to act this way, and so it wouldn't have upset you when they did. The reason you are upset when a client acts a certain way, when, if you're angry or frustrated, is that you believe they shouldn't act that way. But if you had thought ahead of time, this client always acts this way, this is how it is, you wouldn't mind, right? You would just think, oh, this is just part of my job, right? That's a thought that I use with a lot of my clients. This is just part of my job. A client sending me something at the last minute, that's just part of the job, right? Nothing's gone wrong. Nothing is different from how it's supposed to be. No one is breaking any unwritten rules you have. This is just part of my job. When you think this is just part of my job, you will not feel frustrated and angry. You will feel a lot calmer. 
So that's how you know it is really just the way you're thinking. Now, that thought isn't the perfect thought for everyone. This is just part of my job, right? Another thing that I like to do with clients when someone is really difficult is think about it like a dog barking, right? When a dog barks, if you walk by, you're not like, oh my God, I cannot believe that goddamn dog is barking, (laughs) right? You're just like, no, dogs bark. That's the thing dogs do. They bark, right? You don't take it personally. You're not mad at them. They're not breaking your dog manual. You're just like, yeah, dogs bark. The same can be true of a difficult client, right? Yeah, Tom always sends us the edits 37 seconds before the filing deadline. (laughs) That's just the way it is. That's what he always does. And so being angry and frustrated that he does it every single time, like he always does, is just a waste of your energy. And it comes from that unconscious belief that he should be different. But if you can turn that around and affirmatively and actively accept and believe this is how he is, then you don't have a problem anymore. So that is what to do when you are feeling angry or anxious about a client, right? Notice that what's upsetting you is your belief about how they should act. Notice you have zero control over how they act. And then practice thinking a thought that helps you accept it. Like, this is just part of my job. Or, this is just a dog barking. This is just Tom sending me the edits 37 seconds before the filing deadline, right? That's his job as a client. That's just part of my job to deal with. The second form of difficult client stress is usually more characterized by anxiety and fear. And anxiety and fear come more from thoughts about what will happen to you if the client is upset. So this is another form of catastrophizing, and all the tools that we've talked about for catastrophizing work for this too. If your feelings about a difficult client are more like anxiety and fear, What's happening is that you are having thoughts about the consequences for your own career if the client is angry or if the client is displeased, right? So it means that as opposed to thinking, oh, the client should be different, they're terrible, what you're really thinking is, oh, God, if the client thinks I'm terrible, then something bad's going to happen. And usually there are various forms of that, right? There's if the client is displeased, they're going to tell the partner on the case, and then the partner's going to be upset with me. And why does that matter? the partner's upset with me, then they'll think I'm not a good lawyer, right? And then it very quickly spirals down into, and then I'm going to die alone in a van under the bridge, (laughs) right? That's where the lawyer brain always goes. We're in a van under the bridge. If we're lucky, there's a van. Sometimes it's just I'm dying alone under a bridge. So that kind of catastrophizing is what's happening, right? When clients are displeased with your work, you are worried that if they're displeased, often this is just in your head, you are thinking if they're not happy, There are going to be negative consequences for me professionally. But you are almost always immensely exaggerating those potential consequences. The truth is, clients often get unhappy or aren't as pleased as they could be, right? See point number one that we just talked about. Clients always want things right when they want them, right? Of course, why not? They're paying a lot of money for the service and we all want things right when we want them. That's the American way. But the truth is that just because they don't get exactly what they want, doesn't mean it's going to be a disaster, right? It may not mean anything's going to happen. And even if a client does complain to a partner that they didn't like the way you did something or something took too long, and even if that partner talks to you about it, the only problem you are going to have is your thought that it means something about your abilities or your career future. And that is a totally optional interpretation, right? If a client complains to a partner 
that there was an error in something you did, like let's say they saw a typo or something or it took longer than they wanted, and the partner says to you, listen, it's really important that you proofread or let's talk about why this took three days instead of two, none of that is necessarily a problem. The only problem is what you're going to make that mean, right? Objectively, it is not a big deal if somebody says to you, keep an eye out for typos, or even let's talk about how you could be more efficient. It is only a problem when your thoughts about it are that it means you're not a good lawyer, it means you're not going to succeed, means the partner hates you, and you're never going to get anywhere in the firm. Those are the kinds of thoughts that my clients have if one of their clients expresses any you know, displeasure or disapproval. Those are almost always enormously exaggerated because the truth is having a client-focused business means the clients are sometimes unhappy. That doesn't mean that the partner on your case or the people in your firm don't want to try to minimize that, but that's just part of having a client-facing business, right? Ask any restaurant. Part of a client-facing business is that clients are sometimes unhappy. The fact that a client is unhappy does not automatically create a major disaster where you get fired and end up living under the bridge. It's only your thoughts about that happening that cause the problem. And particularly with my clients, what I see is that they're not even so worried about the partner being upset with them, right? Or that they might have to do something a little bit differently the next time. The real problem is they're making it mean that they aren't a good lawyer, right? That they are not a good lawyer and they can't succeed. And those are the thoughts that are causing so much fear and anxiety. On the other hand, if your thought was part of being in a client-facing business means that sometimes clients are unhappy, that's true for everyone, then you wouldn't be so stressed out about it, right? If when they hired you, the partner said to you, listen, 15% of the time, industry-wide, clients are upset about whatever we do. Doesn't mean anything. It means nothing about you as a lawyer. It's nothing about your future. Just know that's going to happen. You wouldn't mind, right? Again, it's like the example I gave for when you're angry at a client. But if you'd known ahead of time the client was just going to be like this and you had decided to take the job anyway, you wouldn't be upset because your expectations would be different. The same is true here. If you just have an expectation that sometimes clients are going to be upset or want something done differently, but it doesn't mean anything about you as a lawyer and it's not a problem and it happens to everyone, you wouldn't have these catastrophizing thoughts. Right. So those are all examples of thoughts you can practice when your brain is catastrophizing about a client being upset. Right. You can remind yourself that clients occasionally get upset with anyone. Right. I'm sure that the partners in your firm or the legal director of your nonprofit organization or whatever it is has had clients who've been upset with them. And yet they are not dying alone under a bridge. The other problem with the catastrophizing, number one, it feels terrible to you. But the second problem with it is that we know that anxiety and fear actually produce worse work product, right? It creates the outcome you fear. When you are super anxious and afraid that you might make a mistake and it'll ruin your career, you actually are more likely to make a mistake because you are so anxious and stressed out. So if you can practice changing some of your thoughts about the gravity of making a mistake, you will actually be calmer and make fewer mistakes. This is something I work with my clients one-on-one with about a lot, right? Really seeing how the thought that you're having creates a feeling that actually makes the outcome you fear more likely. So changing your thoughts is not only good practice so that you feel better, but it actually improves your concrete hard skills, right? It makes you a better lawyer. 
The last thing to keep in mind is that when you feel so scared that any little comment from a client means you're going to end up under a bridge, it makes you super defensive, right? Naturally, that's the thought you have. If you're afraid that believing you made a mistake means you're going to end up under a bridge, you are going to be really resistant to anyone telling you that you made a mistake, and you're actually not going to be able to hear feedback that might be useful, right? There are partners in your firm or supervisors in your impact litigation organization or even just colleagues, if you're in a small practice, whatever it is, there are people who have actual useful, constructive feedback for you. None of us are perfect lawyers. We're not born lawyers, right? We all need training. But when you believe that if there's anything you could have done better, it means you're going to die under a bridge, right? You won't be able to hear the constructive help or feedback. It's going to sound to you like terrible, terrible criticism and alarm bells and danger. And then you're going to resist it and not be able to take it in. So that's the last reason that it's worth changing your thoughts about what it means if a client is upset, right? Sometimes it means nothing. Clients just get upset. Who knows why, right? It's like having a toddler. Sometimes toddlers get upset, right? Like it's just part of life. Or it might be that there was something you could have done better or differently. And wouldn't it be good to know that, right? If you can accept the idea that making a mistake or being able to do better does not mean disaster then you can actually learn from your experiences and actually do better. So from any angle, practicing believing that a client being upset is not the end of the world and that mistakes do occasionally happen and that they don't mean the end of your career is going to benefit both your peace of mind and your actual legal product, your actual work skills. So that's how to deal with difficult clients, right? Which really means dealing with your own difficult brain. If you're listening to the podcast and you're enjoying this kind of work, but you're trying to figure out, but how do I apply it directly? I encourage you to download my free guide to taming your lawyer brain. It takes you through an exercise on catastrophizing. So it's a really great worksheet to do actually when you're thinking about a difficult client. You can go to www.thelawyerstresssolution.com backslash guide. So again, it's just the name of the podcast, www.thelawyerstresssolution.com backslash guide. And it's a totally free guide and it'll walk you through the concept of catastrophizing and then an exercise that actually helps you play it out and change your thoughts the way that I've been talking about on the podcast. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Keep your eye on your difficult clients and keep your eye on your difficult brains. Talk to you soon. If this episode was speaking your language, sounded like it was in your brain, I want you to come check out The Clutch because it will help you unfuck any relationship in your life. If you want to learn how to show up confidently in work relationships, family relationships, friendships, and romantic relationships, or in your parenting, The Clutch will be your lifeline. It comes tailor-made with a community of badass women doing this life-changing work alongside you along with monthly coaching calls and daily expert coaching on any relationship you're working on, including your relationship with yourself. Check it out at unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch, or you can just text your email to 347-934-8861. If you text your email address to that number, we will text you right back with a link to check out everything you need to know to join. I can't wait to see you there.